Welcome to the latest episode of Public Power Now. I'm Paul Champoli, News Director for APPA. Our guest on this episode is Lynn Tejeda, CEO and General Manager at Keys Energy Services, the public power utility for the lower Florida Keys. Lynn, thanks for joining us. Good morning, Paul, and thank you for having me. So, Lynn, to get our conversation started, in preparing for the interview, one of the things that jumped out at me as I prepared is the fact that you've worked at Keys Energy Services for just over 34 years. So, uh, a couple questions off the bat on that. Could you detail your career path at the utility and also how did serving in different roles at the utility help to position you for success as CEO and general manager? Yes, I've been with Keys Energy 34 years, a very long time. Um, it was my first job out of college, and when I came to Keys Energy, I had a degree in journalism, and my first job was public information officer. And I was in that role from 1989 until probably 1998. And it was an interesting time, you know, doing all of the public information, all the employee activities. And in that role, you get to learn a lot about what is happening throughout your company. You know, as as the PR person, per se, you know, you get to ask a lot of questions, get to do ride-alongs, and just learn as much as you can about what's happening in the utility. I was asked to move into a communications director position in 1998. And with that came a little more responsibility. I took on some training aspects, the telephone system, which was kind of a technical nightmare, but, you know, again, a good opportunity to learn. But when I was communications director, I was also asked if I would take on the role of strategic planning. And, you know, looking back, it's kind of interesting. I think nobody was really interested in taking on strategic planning. It was something that uh, the other directors weren't interested in. It was something that I think they thought of as just an extra duty that they would not be interested in. But I do think that the strategic planning role was kind of instrumental in moving my career along at Keys Energy, because with that, you know, I had interactions with the elected officials. I got to um, be at the table, as, as we say, with the directors and really watch and learn and uh, be involved in some of the decisions and the tracking of all the things that were happening. So I think that, you know, being in the communications director role and, and volunteering to take on strategic planning was probably a pivot point in my career and something that I've kept with me as I've moved further through the organization. I really enjoy the strategic planning aspects of the job. So I stayed as communication directors for five years, and then the general manager at the time asked if I would step into the role of assistant general manager, and that was in 2003. And he stayed another two years, and when he made the decision to retire, Uh, The board chairman asked if I would be interested in stepping into the role of general manager. I was very interested, and I took on that job in December of 2005. So I've been in the role of general manager for almost 18 years now. And, you know, it's been exciting. Uh, Anyone who's in this industry knows that it's forever changing. Um, Every day is different, and there's just so much to continue learning and keeping you interested and and it's a great industry and a great job. Thanks for that that overview, Lynn. So for my next question, I want to turn to the topic of reliability uh, and just to kind of set the groundwork um, for the question, wanted to note for our listeners that you you guys recently completed a review of power outage statistics for calendar year 2022, which show that power reliability levels for Keys Energy Services are at our all-time highs. 
And you also this year, once again, earned a reliable public power provider designation from APPA for providing reliable and safe electric service. So um, against that backdrop, what what are the steps that Keys Energy Services has taken to reach uh, and sustain these impressive, impressive levels of reliability? Well, before we go into the steps, I do want to say that, you know, it doesn't just happen without a lot of dedicated work from employees at all levels, whether they are field workers, you know, the people who are planning and making decisions, or the people who are in the support roles. Everybody plays a part in getting these good numbers, as well as being um, recognized for the RP3. And we're very proud of that designation. We think that's a great um, opportunity from American Public Power Association um, to get a designation like that, that we can proudly tell our customers that we've earned. And I'd also like to say these numbers don't happen without support of great elected officials who, when we come to them with a request for budget dollars, they listen and they ask questions and they support us. I think it's important that you have a a good backdrop um, with employees and with elected officials who really buy into the things that you want to do to move your systems along. But as far as what we've done, You know, I think one of the biggest things, and this will fold into another discussion we'll probably have, is what we call storm hardening. If you're in the state of Florida or anywhere in the southeast, you know, hurricanes are a big issue for utilities. And about a decade, a decade and a half ago, the Public Service Commission in the state of Florida started requiring utilities to do more with storm hardening their system. And we've really embraced the ideas that they set forth for us. We do uh, poll testing where we go through and we test every distribution poll on an eight-year cycle. We do half in one year, four years later, we do the other half. So we're always looking at our polls and we actively replace polls. Um, when we do these inspections, we get you know what we call reject polls, which have to come out and some that could be refurbished. But our policy, and again, with the support of the board has been even the ones that are refurbished instead of just kicking the can and refurbishing them, we go ahead and replace them. The Public Service Commission here in Key West requires us to have poles that are wind rated to 150 miles per hour. And we are, you know, kind of the target, uh, the bullseye for hurricanes. Um, The public service requirement, if you're in, say, Orlando, is 80 miles per hour. So we really do um, go above and beyond to get in really beefy poles, ones that can withstand hurricanes and we've invested a lot of money in our system. In addition to following what the Public Service Commission says about replacing those kind of reject ones, we're also actively looking for projects. For instance, we're replacing any wood poles um, that serve critical government facilities or other critical support facilities within our community. And we've replaced those with ductile iron poles that are rated to 150. We've replaced um, any distribution poles that carry our fiber optics network um, and we've also looked at any that have double circuits. So we certainly try to be proactive in replacing poles as um, best as we can um, because we know that it's a lot easier to replace them during blue skies rather than during gray skies. So certainly our storm hardening project, I would say, is is kind of the foundation of all of our reliability efforts. Beyond that, um, in South Florida, we have huge trees that like to grow in lines. We have year-round growing seasons. So our tree trimming efforts are huge, and they make a big difference. Um, We try, you know, when we look at our statistics, to minimize the number of outages that are caused by trees. We do have, you know, a level of control over that. So we we invest a lot in tree trimming. Beyond that, we also look at transmission projects. We have 
a number of poles that are in our oceans and seas around us, and they are aging as so much of the infrastructure across America is. And we have been actively working on adding um, cathodic protection to those poles so that we don't have a situation where they fall to the point of no repair. One of the things we've done is we had a project first where we did that to the poles that had cracks and that, that had need. But then we also started working with FEMA through some mitigation grant funding where we're going back and we're adding that cathodic protection even to poles that are still in good shape as a preventive maintenance measure that we think will really pay off as time moves forward. We installed a DVAR system that's really helpful for voltage support. Key West is in the unique position of being at the end of a 130-mile transmission line. So voltage support is very important, and that DVAR has really helped us over the years eliminate um, you know, outages that have happened from like an undervoltage situation. So um, those are some of the things that we've been doing, and there's just so many. I could keep going. Uh, I'll maybe mention one other. An easement project. We have a lot of poles and backyard easements, and they get landlocked. You know, sometimes people will build, build pools or put fences in. So one of the things that we've worked on over the last decade is removing any primary lines that are in those backyard easements and bringing them to the front so that when an outage does have happen, um, we're able to react very quickly and be able to reach our facilities, you know, from a bucket truck rather than having to go in and climb and do work um, in these very small, tight backyard easements. So I think that's another thing that has helped us tremendously with our numbers because, you know, it's not only about preventing outages, but then also when the outages happen, um, how quickly can you get to your facilities and get, get everything repaired? So, yeah, you mentioned hurricanes and, you know, as you know, that the, the, this year's season is, is already underway and you, you may, it sounds like you've already covered a lot of ground in terms of preparation specifically for this year. So I guess um, I had just wanted to give you another opportunity to maybe expand a little on that. And if not, I did have one question that that occurred to me just now, which is the the topic of supply chain issues. I was just wondering if there's any, you know, ongoing concerns specifically for utility in that area. I'll start with hurricanes. And, you know, we do a lot to invest in our system so that we're hurricane ready, you know, from an infrastructure position. But then we're also doing a lot of things um, to make sure our employees are ready. Uh, We do tabletop tabletop drills where, you know, we come up with the scenarios and we run through what would we do if these scenarios happened. We have a very thorough hurricane um, manual and we update that regularly. I've been here a long time, as we said, and every storm is different. Every storm throws new scenarios and new challenges. And we try to take lessons learned from each storm and make sure that they get into the manual so that we remember what we did and, and some of the successes that we've previously had. So I think, you know, making sure our manual is up to date is, is one of our number one things and then doing those drills. We've also been working extensively with making sure we're ready for not only the hurricane storm, but the FEMA storm that happens afterward. I think a lot of the people with APPA knows that, you know, we had a hur- Category 5 Hurricane Irma come through in 2017, more than $40 million worth of damage. And we've been working all these years trying to get reimbursed from FEMA, and it's been a real challenge. So We've actively changed our contracts where we have a lot of language in there that that addresses some of the FEMA requirements. We have reached out throughout our organization where we have employees who are not first responders, but second responders who have volunteered to come in and be 
embedded with the crews that are in the field so that they will be there taking pictures um, and making all of the the paperwork happen behind the scenes so that, you know, we're not slowed by paperwork, but that we're getting all of those things that FEMA is going to request on the back end so that we can make sure we get our funding um, that we're looking for. So um, we go through a lot of training with some of the second responders who aren't normally field workers, but will be in the field afterward. So, you know, there's a lot to do just as far as projects to keep up with making the system safe, but then there's a lot of prep work. And as you mentioned, supply chain is a huge issue. We have completed our process um, every year between January and uh, typically April. We do a lot of hurricane supply ordering. You know, we make sure that we have max plus in our inventory. In the last two years, that's been challenging because of supply chain issues. We've been having trouble getting things in. So our ordering season has to start earlier and earlier, it seems like, to make sure that we have um, everything that we'll need. Uh, transformers have been probably the biggest challenge. Uh, we were fortunate. We've gotten some orders in over the last couple of years, and we haven't had any direct hits that have required, you know, massive changeouts of transformers. So we're in pretty good shape now with our transformer stock. Um, but we have to stay ahead of it. Um, some of our pad mounts are, are upwards of 52 weeks and longer to get them in. So it does take more planning, more attention to um trying to understand what we're going to need, not only for potential storms, but then also any projects that are happening in our community. Supply chain has been a much bigger issue for us as they have been with some of the other utilities throughout the nation. So so my final question relates to, to looking at power supply equation uh, and the, the power supply side of things. Um, so as a member of the Florida Municipal Power Agency's All Requirements Project, the utility pools its power resources with other public power utilities in the state. So I wanted to know if you could tell our listeners how this arrangement benefits um, Keys Energy Services as well as other public power utilities in Florida. Florida Municipal Power Agency is a joint action agency, and um, I think 33 municipal utilities in the state belong with FMPA now. And FMPA started out as basically a power supply provider, and they've really expanded over the years. They have numerous projects. One is the All Requirements Project, which Keys is a member of, and we get all of our power from them. And the biggest benefit is, you know, we get economies of scale. Keys is sort of a mid-sized utility, and then there's numerous small utilities. When we all come together, we're able to either you know, invest in power plants, pool resources with other utilities that have their own generation, or especially have buying power for purchase power agreements. It seems like recently a lot of the PPAs have been geared toward getting solar. And Key West land is precious, and we don't have a lot of space, you know, to put a, a utility-grade photocell project down here. So we have gone in through the Florida Municipal Solar Project that SMPA is putting up, and we've been able to get into purchase power agreements where we're able to have uh, solar power that we're buying. Our first one, we only subscribed to 5 megawatts, but in phase two, we actually decided to subscribe to 25 megawatts. And that would be really hard to do without a joint action agency like FMPA um, leading the way, negotiating the contracts, working with the developers and, and things like that. So I think the access that FMPA provides Keys Energy for some really good power purchase power agreements has been instrumental in, in helping us here in the Keys. In addition to being very helpful to us from, on the power supply, they also have a lot of member services that they offer the utilities. 
uh, we take great advantage of uh, all that they do for the NERC compliance. Uh, without them kind of making sure we're on track and on target and helping us with potential audits, uh, mock audits that we can do that prepare us for anything with NERC, um, that's been very helpful. Um, and FMPA offers, you know, other member services and such as like purchase contracts, and they have a lot of training. We, at any given time, will have some employees going through like a foreman academy so that they're learning how they can be leaders in, in their field positions. So FMPA just does a lot for the utilities here in the state. Fortunate to be a member, fortunate to be able to get all of our requirements from them and and then to have all the great member services that they provide. Thanks, Lynn. So, uh, Lynn, thank, thanks so much for taking the time every day to speak with us. It's been a very uh, illuminating conversation, we'd, and we'd love to have you back at some point in the future as a guest. Well, that's great, Paul, and thanks for asking me. Lots of big sure. things happening here in the state of Florida and Key West. Thanks for listening to this episode of Public Power Now, which is produced by Julio Guerrero, graphic and digital designer, APPA. I'm Paul Schimpoli, and we'll be back next week with more from the world of public power. 